Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had, had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha, Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave's clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Good morning, my name is Lara and it's lovely to be with you today. Spring is definitely here and Easter's just around the corner. I've been loving watching the daffodils, crocuses and other spring bulbs bursting into bloom in my garden. A lovely sign of new life and new beginnings, which is very much the focus of our passage today. Now we're continuing our series of Encounters with Jesus 
as told to us by John. And today, our encounter takes us to the entrance of a grave, surrounded by weeping and mourning. And yet, in the midst of this sorrow and grief, we witness one of Jesus's most incredible signs, a sign that shows us who he is and who God is. A sign that not only demonstrates his unsurpassable power, but also his incomparable love for us. I once had a pretty cool encounter with a celebrity. It was very brief, but still an encounter. I was in Los Angeles with a friend and we decided to go to Arnold Schwarzenegger's bodybuilding expo. Now, before he became a Hollywood movie star and mayor of California, Arnie was a pretty successful bodybuilder. And when his own bodybuilding days came to an end, he hosted bodybuilding shows. And the day that we were at the expo, Arnie made an appearance. And my friend and I met him and said hello and shook his hand. It was very cool. And we also met lots of bodybuilders, men and women, like this chap here, Dave Jumbo Palumbo. It was a fascinating world, if a little mind-boggling. Now the bodybuilders that I met had completely transformed their bodies. But the, pe for the people who encounter Jesus in our passage today, their lives are completely transformed. And this can be true for us. I think that when we truly encounter Jesus, our lives can be completely transformed too. Now, there are quite a few confusing and head-scratching elements in our passage today. Jesus' conversation with his disciples after he receives the news about Lazarus is a little baffling and tricky to understand. Why does he wait so long before going to Bethany? Now, he must have had a reason for saying and doing the things he did. And I think the reason is love. And I know this seems strange on the surface, but as we unpack this passage a little more, I think we can see three ways that Jesus displays his love for the people in this encounter and also for us. Now, John tells us that Jesus receives news that Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, and one of Jesus' closest friends is unwell. But by the time Jesus reaches their hometown of Bethany, Lazarus has been dead and buried for four days. Mary and Martha are understandably distraught and confused as to why Jesus didn't come sooner. They had sent word to Jesus, in essence, requesting him to come and heal their brother, just as they had witnessed him healing so many other people. But the Bible tells us that Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. He seemed in no hurry to get to Bethany. The Bible also tells us that Jesus loved Mary and Martha. So why the wait? Why didn't he rush to their side to heal their brother? Why did they have to go through this terrible tragedy? And we might ask the same question that the bystanders at the grave did. Couldn't one who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Lord, Mary and Martha said, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Why wasn't he with the sisters in their hour of crisis? 
I wonder how many of us have often thought the same thing. Lord, where were you when I needed you? Why haven't you answered my cries? Now, I'm sure I'm not the only one to have prayed earnestly for something for weeks, months, even years, seemingly without any response from God. Now, how did Jesus's waiting show his love for Mary and Martha? And how does God's seeming lack of hurry to act in our lives show his love for us? Well, Jesus waits intentionally because he knows that Lazarus's sickness and death were for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. His deliberate waiting would result in a far greater miracle and glory to God than had he simply healed Lazarus. Lazarus's resurrection produced a far more intense joy and blessing for his family than any other action could have. And God is seldom in a hurry and there's something about waiting for him to respond to us in his own time that is really instructive, although incredibly hard and painful at times. While we're waiting, God is trying to speak to us and to teach us something. Ultimately, he's teaching us to seek him and rely on him rather than human resources. And we can be assured that his lack of visible action doesn't mean a lack of affection. Even when we can't see it, God is always at work in our lives. And as hard as it can be to do, I think trusting completely in God's love for us and therefore waiting for him to act in every circumstance, whether good or bad, gives us an opportunity to receive God's blessing in a completely new way. I wonder how we react to misfortune. Do we use it to experience the glory of God in a new way? Or are we sometimes just too impatient to wait and instead run ahead of him and miss out on that blessing? So although it seems like a paradox, I think the first way we see Jesus' love displayed is in his waiting, waiting for us to turn to him and to completely trust him. And when Jesus reaches Lazarus's tomb in the company of Mary and Martha, he's overcome with grief. In the presence of death and affected by the pain of their common loss, these friends all weep together. We read, when Jesus saw Martha weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled and Jesus wept. Jesus wept because he loved. His tears flowed out of deep affection for Mary and Martha and sympathy with their grief. I think there are times when we can feel God is distant and removed from our heartaches and suffering. We may have heard people describe God as immutable and impassive or uncaring. A God who floats high above it all in serene, isolated perfection. But that's not our God. That is not the God of the Bible the God who's most fully revealed in the person of Jesus. This encounter shows us that Christ is no stoic, untouched by human pain. 
He's not cold, indifferent or unfeeling. As he stood and thought of his friends, both living and dead, Jesus grieved with genuine tears. This is how the crowd of onlookers saw it. See how he loved him, they remarked to each other. Our faith attaches us to a person. Jesus identifies with us. The Bible tells us that the broken-hearted one cares for other broken hearts and saves the crushed in spirit. We see here that love is God's primary emotion. He loves us and he sympathises with us. He even grieves with us. Our sorrows are not meaningless, nor do our cries simply echo in the emptiness of space, but they touch the very heart of God. But we also see a second emotional reaction in Jesus, revealed in the phrase repeated twice, Jesus was deeply moved. Our English translations of this sentence don't quite express the strength of or nature of Jesus' response to Lazarus' death. Our translations say deeply moved or deep anger or greatly disturbed, but the original language is stronger and more specific. John chose a word that in Greek described the snorting of horses in battle. Jesus's body was seized with a sort of convulsion. His feelings in the presence of death were so strong that they actually caused a physical response, a kind of shuddering or groaning. Jesus is outraged over death. His response is one of indignation, revulsion and disgust. What a contrast Jesus offers here to the way I think society often views death today. There's often an attitude of detachment and indifference in the face of death, a sort of cool, rational acceptance of the inevitable. We're told to simply have to learn to live with it, not be too upset by it, and just accept it and move on. Well, there is no acceptance in Jesus' reaction. He hated death. He loathed it with an intensity that made him shake and tremble and groan. Death is the enemy, the last enemy. Death is the consequence of sin and all the hatred that God feels towards sin, he also feels towards this bitter fruit of sin. Jesus weeps for the fact that these people were grieving seemingly with little hope, not trusting in the resurrection, not trusting in him. So the second way this encounter shows that Jesus loves us is in his weeping. Weeping for our current circumstances, but also for our eternal fate. So we've seen Jesus wait, we've seen Jesus weep, and then we see him work. Jesus' broken-heartedness compels him into action. He approaches Lazarus's tomb and commands the people to open the sealed stone entrance. He's unfazed and unstopped by the stench of death and the reluctance of the mourners to do his bidding. Jesus begins by praying, though it's a rather unusual prayer. It's a prayer celebrating the unity Jesus enjoys with God. A thanksgiving for the perfect communion and understanding between the Father and the Son offered, as Jesus himself remarked, for the benefit of the onlooking crowd, so they might begin to understand who Jesus really is.
and recognised through the raising of Lazarus his authority and power to give eternal life to all who believe. And Jesus cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And indeed, Lazarus comes out of the tomb, bound in burial limbs, but also unbound in that death no longer holds him. The voice that commanded the wind and the waves to be still, the bread and fish to multiply, deaf ears to hear and blind eyes to see, now commands dead flesh to live. And it obeys, it must obey. Jesus' encounter with his dead friend Lazarus is more than just a revelation of God's heart or an expression of his sympathy and love for grieving people. It is also a demonstration of his power over evil and over our final enemy, death itself. This encounter is a preview of what we can look forward to ourselves if we're friends of Jesus too. Someday he's going to have just the same encounter with each one of us. This passage and ultimately the message of Jesus in the Gospels is that death does not have to be deadly. It can be a doorway to life. Religion is dead, but Jesus is alive. This is the story of Easter, that eternity in heaven is available to all who personally trust in Jesus Christ. So this wonderful encounter with Jesus at a grayside shows us that he loves us by waiting. He loves us by weeping and he loves us by working so that we can believe and receive him. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he added a final question. Do you believe this? It's a question for all of us. Do you believe this?